I decided that I, I wanted to share with you um, some information. Okay, so I wondered, you know, I remember Vacation Bible School. Uh, I remember going to Vacation Bible School. Uh, I was talking to somebody last night. I said, do you remember Vacation Bible School when you were little? And uh, they were like, uh, I rem-, and, and, and so we were just sharing some of the- I remember singing. Man, we sang a lot at Vacation Bible School. It was one of the things that got me into, into <clears throat> you know, singing and leading worship and that sort of thing. So I, I thought, I went, where did Vacation Bible School come from? Anybody know? See, nobody knows, but <laughs> Wikipedia does. <laughs> and so then I backtraced it to figure out w- whether they were right or not. And it actually did come out pretty true, but it says that the origins of Bibles, vacation Bible school happened in 1894. And, and can you imagine what led somebody to ever do the first Bible school? Anybody got any ideas? Go ahead. I'll let you talk this morning. Any ideas what led to the first vacation Bible school? Children, yes. Very good. Very perceptive. All right. What else? Say again. Teaching them about God. Well, here you go. It was a a public school teacher that happened to notice that children were not active in the summertime. Right? In Hopewell, Hopedale, Illinois in 1984, uh, 1894, 1894, uh, a Sunday school teacher, her name, uh, no, it was a, yeah, her name was D.T. Miles. She was also a public school teacher, felt she was limited by time constraints in teaching the Bible to children. So she started a daily Bible school to teach children during the summer. The first Bible school enrolled 40 students and lasted four weeks. How about that? Whoo! Only a school teacher could do that. Say, and if you're a school teacher, yay. All right. First Bible school, 40 students. All right. Local, a local school was used for classes. Should we try that today? Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, and an adjoining park was used for recess. And then in 1898, of Virginia Sinclair Halls, director of the children's department, at Epiphany Baptist Church in New York City, started an everyday Bible school for neighborhood children during the summer. At a rented, get this, okay, all the Baptists in the room going to cringe. It was at a rented beer parlor. <laughs> Kids, come, let's learn the Bible. What the, the, the background information for this actually said a beer garden. Huh. Anyway, on New York's east side, There is a bronze plaque honoring her efforts located in her hometown of Charlottesville, Virginia, in the foyer of the First Baptist Church. If you ever go to First Baptist Charlottesville, you'll find her plaque there. Robert Bovell of the Baptist Missionary Society became aware of Hawes' summer program and recommended it to other Baptist churches, and Bovell established a handful of summer schools which were taught by students at the Union Theological Seminary. During one summer, 1,000 students were enrolled in five different schools. In 1922, he founded the World Association of Daily Vacation Bible School. One year later, Standard Publishing produced the very first printed VBS curriculum. Enough material was provided for a five-week course for three age levels, kindergarten, primary, and juniors. 
Now, while not under the title of Vacation Bible School, Dr. Abraham L. Latham of the Third Presbyterian Church of Chester, Pennsylvania, initiated a five-week, four-hour-per-day summer Bible school in 1912, which at its peak had 650 to 700 students. So, here's what my thought in, in, in researching all that. Now, like I said, I got it from Wikipedia, so I'm not uh, guilty of plagiarizing. There you go. There's my source contact. All right. Um, but it was interesting to me as I was looking at it, <clears throat> how it started. There are individuals who obviously love Jesus, who obviously had a care and a concern for children during what can we call, you know, the idle days of summer and thought, well, let's occupy their time with something productive. Let's teach kids about Jesus. Let's train people in the Bible, right? That, that's what it's all about. And so, so each one of these instances were about teaching kids, training children in the Bible. And, and some vision was big, like 650 to 700 kids. Some vision was long, like four weeks throughout the summer. Some vision was every day of the summer. And so, so you had all this, these people that were, were sort of the, the, the instigators of it, the, 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 the visionaries who said, I'm going to do something, right? So I thought about that, and I thought, wow, okay, do we still, as God's people, the body of Christ, church if you want to call it that, do we still look at the opportunities or the, 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 the missions that are presented to us? Do, do we look at folks and go, you know what, I want to and probably ought to talk to that person about Jesus? Uh, I, I want to and ought to be able to teach people something from the Bible. Or, <clears throat> now, get mad at me if you want to, but, but we've sort of created what I refer to as spectator faith. Folks just kind of go to the stadium and watch. Right Now, we go out and live Christian lives. I'm not saying anybody sitting in this room or any other room is not serving Jesus, loving God, going out and living their faith. But the truth is, is that we're supposed to be actively spreading God's Word. So, uh, I, I, thinking about my son, you know, y'all know, he moved away. <laughs> oh. And so when I think about that, I think, all right, the things that we teach, right? I mean, uh, it is expected in God's economy of our relationship with him that we teach our families, okay? It is expected that we see and take the opportunities to share and teach others, so I titled today's message to train and be trained and I went to Proverbs 22 which you're going to recognize verse 6 but I'm going to start in verse 5 and it says this thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked whoever guards his soul will keep far from them train up a child in the way he should go even when he is old he'll not depart from it you know what? I can't tell you over the years how many parents I know that are just <laughs> clinging to that verse of having trained up children in the way that they should go. 
and, and looking for the day when they're old, <laughs> that they'll not depart from it, right? But let's consider this a minute. Why train? See, we live in a culture and a society today that just says, oh, just let it happen however it happens. Let them just be whatever, whatever they... And I, I, I did a little bit of probing into this. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. I looked at that and I was like, all right, wait a minute now. The second phrase says, whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Now, my, 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 it's kind of cool. Anyway, my preferred method of, uh, of looking at the word of God is to ask questions. What am I supposed to keep far from? The crooked or the thorns and snares? You see that? Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. The thorns and snares are the crooked. Yeah, both. Exactly. The idea is, is that the farther I stay away from those who would corrupt me, the less likely I'm to get caught in their thorns and snares. And yet we've kind of allowed the culture and the society to dictate, and dare I even go so far as to say, raise our families? You see? We got some issues here, folks. If we look societally, or shall I say sociologically, back oh, six, seven decades now, we'll find some of the reason for the unrest we see in our culture today. So here's my challenge to me. And I don't, whether you adopt this challenge or not, <clears throat> I want to consider this my own challenge for myself. I want to work really hard to train people in God's Word, to train people in, in faithfulness, to train people in righteousness. And I know, you know, it's, it's very safe for me as a pastor to go, well, I, I stand up here every Sunday and tell you what's in the Bible, right? Well, that's not, that, that, that's not the end all and be all of training people to follow the path, the way. A few weeks ago, I shared with you the way. There is a way that seems right to mankind or to people. But the end thereof is destruction, death. What way? When you see way, now this is interesting to me because when it says train up a child in the way he should go, why? Why train kids? Why? Because guess what? God entrusted children to us in such a way that we get them when they're vulnerable. We get them when they don't know. We get them when they're not mature enough to make adult-type decisions. And yet our culture is saying, oh, let your kids make decisions that I would say they're not prepared to make. I used to have, as a youth pastor, right? <laughs> I used to have arguments. I'll go ahead and call them what they are. I used to have arguments with pastors. You know, their kids would turn 13, and, and I'd go, well, where's so-and-so this morning? they go, oh, she decided not to come. I said, Really? Is she mommy now? Right? See, that was one of the things that in my house growing up, I knew 
There was no question on Sunday morning sitting down to the oatmeal, eggs, bacon, and toast. There was no question as to whether or not we were going to church. I didn't get them go, Mom, we're going to church this morning? Now, I'm not finding fault with you if you did. I'm just telling you about me. I didn't even ask. Now, I will tell you that in the summertime, sometimes we went to Sunday school and not big church. Right? Because we went boat riding. I remember the day to my mom's horror as we were leaving Sunday school, one of the men of the church was strolling up the sidewalk and uh, we were headed out the door. And I said, uh, I said, hey, Mr. Whatever his name was, I can't even remember. I said, uh, uh, we going boat riding. My mom was like, ah! Right? Train. Train. Well, how do you train something? Train? Why train? Well, first of all, uh, certain things have been entrusted to you. Yes, children have been entrusted to us. Yes, God has allowed for us to have the, the opportunity to shape people, his kids, his precious children, okay? Entrusted them to us for a season. And God expects us to train them. So how do you train them? As a youth pastor, I, can I just go ahead and tell you? It, it was interesting to me that as a, I was a youth pastor for 14 years. Okay? It was amazing to me that a lot of families would, would expect me to do in about three hours a week what they didn't do in the other 170-something. And I'd go, really? Well, what, what is it you, well, like I got some kind of magic words or bullets or something that I'm going to change what, you see? Now, I'm not saying I'm going to neglect my responsibilities as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a teacher. But guess what? Training doesn't just happen three hours a week in, inside the pointed building house. Okay? It happens in the modeling, in the speech. It happens in the way we do life. See that? You know, um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you all this, and it sounds like I'm bragging, and Eli, if you're watching, you just have to endure it even though you're not here. Eli told one, and I, he didn't tell me this personally because he wouldn't dare tell me this personally. He told one of his friends one time, he said, uh, maybe this week or something, he said, you know what? Your best answer sometimes is yes, ma'am. You know why he knows that? Because I said that to him, I can't tell you how many times. Son, you may have an argument, but sometimes your best answer is yes, ma'am. You see what I mean? See, training. Why train? Because God's entrusted truth. If you're a Christian parent, God expects you to train your child. Oh, I'm just going to let them make their own decision about faith and religion. Well, you're, you're just asking for trouble. Just asking for trouble. So who do we train? Well, first of all, we're talking obviously about we've got all these decorations for vacation Bible school. Absolutely, we should be training children. I remember my Sunday school teachers. I can name them for you. Going up through, I remember when I first walked into the primary, you know, first, second, and third grade Sunday school class, and Miss Taylor was in there, and, and, and they had us, they had all our songs up on the bulletin board, and they were handwritten on, on that big paper, you know, and they were hand, and the F was backwards. 
I mean, it was the word father was the first song, first word in one of the songs we sang. But the F was backwards, and that bothered me. You know why it bothered me? Because somebody in school had trained me what an F looked like. And somebody had written it backwards. That don't matter. But you say, I remember Miss Taylor. I, I, I remember Doug Shannon. I remember Harold West. I remember Aaron Bishop. I remember these people who trained me. As a child in Sunday school, I remember Rule Westbrook, who was my pastor all my childhood, just about. I remember these people. They were training me. Guess who else was training me? My mom and dad were training me. Train up a child in the way he should go. What way is that? Well, guess what? Thorns and snares will, will inflict you in some ways. So, so when you see way there, that, that's a path. Like I said a couple weeks ago, path. Uh, thorns and snares are in the path of the crooked. See that? Uh, all right, so everybody got, you go hiking, right? Been on a hike? Around here, if you go on a hike, it's sandy. Up in the mountains, you go on a hike, it's hilly. Might have some thorns and some poison oak, right? See, thorns and snares are in the path of the crooked. The crooked person is walking down a path that leads to destruction. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from the crooked and the thorns and snares. See, I want to walk a righteous path. I want to walk a, a, a path of holiness and faith and trust in God. And you hear me pray it sometimes. I want to be so close to God that I don't miss what he's doing. Train up a child in the path that he should go. Now, I read one commentator on this thing. Who do we train? Train up a child. That's, that's going to be the focus of the message. But guess what? I'm not even going to tell you how many immature folks I run into that act like children. <laughs> Though chronologically they're not. Okay? They need training too. But here you go. Who do we train? Train up a child in the way, in the path that he should go. So... I was reading one, one article on this verse, and they said, uh, many commentators have suggested that the way there refers to the path appropriate to the child. That you train the child according to the child. I appreciate some of y'all shaking your heads because I almost fell out my chair. I was like, what? That means the child decides. What's important? The child decides the values. The child decides the priorities. Oh, the child gets to decide what, who, how, and everything in their lives because we're supposed to, we're supposed to govern our training of the child according to what they say. They are immature. They don't know. You see? But I see so many parents just letting kids, woo! Uh, I, yeah. All right, so as a youth pastor, I had this long conversation with a, with a father whose son was pegged by everybody involved to be just, the word that came to mind was hot snot, but that's probably not a good one. <laughs> he was going to be the it in baseball. Man, he, 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 oh. You know, all, I mean, through little leagues and up into, into his middle school years and, and, and getting into high school. Man, this kid was this, oh, phenom. That's the word, right? So what do we do? We, we do everything in our power 
to make sure that kid gets everything they need to be the best baseball player they can be. What does that mean? That means we, 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 we don't have quite all the family time we might once have because we're at practices or travel teams or, or, or games or tournaments or all that kind of stuff. What kind of place would it be if God's people did that spiritually with their children? Set aside stuff to train their children in godliness. We'll make sure a kid doesn't miss a practice, but if they wake up and don't want to go to church, well, that's all right. Oh, see, so done gone to meddling now, right? I'm going to get mad at me. But here you go. Who do we train? We train the children, yes, but we train those that God entrusts to us to train. That could be children. That could be your neighbors. That could be your family. In some cases, it could be... It, it, I remember the first time I taught a senior adult Sunday school class. I felt so inadequate. See, only with age have I felt like I'm adequate now. <laughs> I got gray hair too, right? <clears throat> See, my point is, is that God has placed a treasure in you. Uh, that's what Scott said. That's what this is all about this week. Paul wrote the words, I think it's 1 Corinthians. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Clay pots. One band called it jars of clay because one translation says that. This is fragile, broken. This will not last, but God has put an eternal treasure inside us and God expects us to train those around us in the treasure. How train? How train? Lots of methods. Lots of ways to train. One is absolutely. You pick up the word of God and say thus and so. Can I just go ahead and be specific about that? Our culture is saying you can edit this all you want to. You can listen to what you want to listen to. You can read what you want to read. You, you, can, you can decide in here what's important to you and what's not important to you. I figure if God gave it to us, that means it's all important to us. Okay? God expects us to, to teach from his word. Okay? So, so how do we do that? We make sure we create those opportunities of training. You know? I've told y'all the story about my mom and dad in the Home Life book. How many of you remember that story? We have a Home Life magazine, Baptist State, uh, the, the Southern Baptist Convention. Used to put out this, they probably still do, but I hadn't seen one in years. But anyway, put out this thing they called Home Life. And in the back were these 30 or 31 devotional passages. Little little devotional thought with verses, and a, and they would even print a prayer for you, but we didn't use that. So we would gather around my sister's bed at night, and Mom and Dad would read the devotional to us, and then we'd all pray. And, and Mom and Dad taught us to all pray out loud. You know, and then, and then I run into people all the time and say, oh, I don't pray out loud. You know what, if you hear me for instance, Scott and I are friends. We've been friends since I moved here. If y'all were to stumble up and hear Scott and I yelling at each other about something, which has never happened actually, but if you did, you'd say, oh man, something's wrong. Something's wrong in that relationship. Or if you walked up and heard Scott and I encouraging one another, you'd go, ooh, something's right in that relationship. 
You see, when we pray out loud with one another, it gives us insight into relationship with God. So my mom and dad, we would kneel around that bed, and my sister, because she prayed the shortest, she was first. And see, I'm three and a half years older than her, and she's watching right now. Hey, Mel, I don't know if you even remember this. It was at your bed. But anyway, uh, three and a half years older, I prayed second because I was second shortest. And then my dad would pray third because he was third shortest in prayer lengths. And then mom would pray, and sometimes we'd fall asleep. I'm just kidding. Mom would pray, and, and, and still to this day, <laughs> man, want something prayed for called mom. Can I just tell you that? How do we train those around us to follow Jesus, to be close to Jesus, to, to set everything else aside, to make him first in our lives? I'm going to tell you, as, as, as we finish up this summer, one of the things we've added over the last few months is, is where you've seen loving God and living Jesus. Those of you who've been around for a while, you know, that, that's been on our signs and everywhere for the last 12 years. We added walking together. So once we get past Labor Day, we're going to start some new opportunities of walking together. For instance, you may show up on a Sunday morning at 810 and go, you know what, I want to be in a, I want to be in a, a, a small group kind of connect group sort of setting and learn what this walking together stuff is. So we've got first gatherings and next gatherings and lead gatherings. Maybe you'll end up leading your own, you know, connect group at your house, at the coffee shop. At the park, I don't care where you lead it, because God has said that, that He expects us to train. Whether it's our own kids or just others, the opportunity to, to share Jesus with friends and families and neighbors and people you don't even know. You see? So watch for that. You're going to have an opportunity to say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Now, you may say, I don't have time to be a part of that because I leave here at 9, 10, I go to work. Well, okay, that's fine too. But see, God's going to give us all opportunities to share. To share the treasure that He's entrusted to us. So who in this room is going to be the, uh, the DT Miles who maybe looks out their window and goes, you know what? If their parents would let me, I'd let those kids sit down and feed them some Kool-Aid and cookies and talk to them about Jesus. You see? Or maybe, maybe you're the kind of person who doesn't mind, you know, just strolling up in the midst of a bunch of skateboarders. That's a scary culture for my age because I tried doing an ollie out here on the parking lot. I got hurt. They were telling me how to do it. Anybody know what an ollie is? If you know what an ollie is, see, you're, you know what a skateboard is. Yeah, I fell on the asphalt. It's not good for old men. Just say it. See, we're supposed to share the treasure. Look for opportunities to train others in righteousness. The way of the crooked is filled with thorns and snares. Let's help people get off that way. Okay?
Pray with me. God, thank you. Thank you for today, and, 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 and thank you for Vacation Bible School. Thank you for decorations and costumes, and thank you, God, for, for fun and, and for Kool-Aid and snacks and kids that are just going to have a blast this week. But God, here's my prayer this morning before we even begin. God, I just pray that every child that shows up gets a glimpse of Jesus this week to know the treasure that's been offered to know the treasure that's been given. To know that we have hope. Not to live as the world lives or be defined as the world defines or to adopt some, some just wandering identity in this world. God, You created us. You made us who we are. God, help us to learn and discover how we can best worship You, love You, Follow you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.